Today on Panelism, Lewis and Clark fight monsters as they pass their way through the American West in one of the longest-running series on Image Comics. Welcome to Panelism, the show where we talk about the comics and graphic novels worth having on your shelf. I'm Taylor Trask. I'm Todd A. And uh, Todd. Todd, Todd, Todd. It is, it is that time of year again where it gets a little cold outside, a little chillier. The, the, is, is it chillier out there? It, I mean, it's here. It's Autumn is... I mean, as soon as... I, I like to feel like as soon as Starbucks unleashes the pumpkin spice latte, like the weather changes. It's it's like they're like wizards. They're like some sort of like mm. Mother Nature wizards, and they they unleash it. And that's the chaos magic. That is. <laughs> oh my God! Starbucks is like we will manifest autumn. <laughs> well, and it's interesting because they put it out before Labor Day this year, which is a little sacrilegious in my mind. But it's uh, yeah, it is. It man, I never thought about it that way. That Starbucks is the is the instigator of autumn huh (laughs) Huh. well that doesn't mean anything to you if you're listening at any time during the year who cares who cares what time it is yeah Uh, i i just think fall is something that that grown-ups made up (laughs) like valentine's day (laughs) is a uh that's a a song by the hives fall is just something that uh what is it um anyway it's a real fun song they just made it up to send you back to school it's just a conspiracy by the greeting card companies to sell more cards that's all this is. Fall is just something that grownups invented. There yeah, we go. Yeah, Finally yeah. remembering the title. Okay, sorry, I have interrupted. No, 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 no. It's quite all right. I have a very important question for you, though. And this, you know, depending on when you're listening, um, this may or may not be relevant. Uh, but we have not talked about it since it came out, really. Not At least not on, on panelism. Have you been reading the X-Men run by Jonathan Hickman? I have not, actually. It, no. It is delightful this Uh, is what i hear from a certain group chat i'm in it is uh so house of x and then powers of 10 and it actually is pronounced powers of 10 even though it says powers of x it's two it's it's so crazy it's two uh conjoined series that you have to read in order because one sort of comments on the other and it's all it's a limited series it's going to end around october 10th or 16th i think somewhere around there so we're more than halfway through it but holy crap um it's kind of all the wonderful things that you love about Hickman, and it's the first time I've cared about X-Men since the X2 movie in 2003. Like, it's it, they actually give you a lot of stuff to chew on. I don't want to say too much, because I'm going to be reviewing the entire thing or talking about the entire thing when it's concluded. Um, but if you are interested, or if you've had your, your, your eyes on it as you walk into the comic shop, please... Start at, start at the very first issue. It's very essential you read this in order. There are some amazing revelations, and they do quite a bit to tie in past continuity into this kind of new reboot. It's it's one of those things where it's a reboot, but it's also a sequel, and it all kind of fits together in only the way Hickman can make it fit together. Um, wow. And it also has all the crazy kind of affectations he loves. Like he invents his own mutant language 
which he, you know, seeds throughout the whole thing. He's got a lot of like layered mysteries and death makes a huge appearance as it usually does. Um, so it's, it is, it is way more Hickman-y than I thought it would be. You know, we talked previously about, um, one of those, uh, Avengers uh, books where that you know, that that uh, Avengers one Hickman wrote where yeah uh, they're they're destroying dimensions and stuff and that was very Hickmany but this I never thought X Men could feel this kind of cool and interesting and indie like it feels like an image yeah. release. it feels it, like release, it, it kind of should like I think that's what X Men should feel like mm-hmm. I always when I was reading X Men growing up that's I always thought of it as like I, like it really had a feel to it of this is uh, the the black sheep of the Marvel superhero family, you know, mm-hmm. um, not yeah. Marvel itself, but you, but like in the in an Avengers world, they are the punks, you know. The only thing, the only thing that's confusing to me, and somebody else made this point, I think on Instagram um, when I posted it up, but it's like, why, why is there such a need to make the X Men feel like to make mutants feel like its own species? You yeah. know, they almost kind of like, that's the only thing I've never understood. I'm like, they're. They're an extension of humanity, yet they kind of treat them like in in the story, especially in in House of X, like they're almost like an alien, like there's something else mm. they're not of us, and we should I, fear and despise them. Yeah, I get that. Uh, that alien, I I do think that's a problem that it feels alien sometimes, but they are a new species, so yeah, that, right. I mean, they are an evolved, like they're the same genus, but they're a different species. I don't know. Yeah, I. Think I think so, but it's it's they kind of go out of their way to make it feel like it's almost like a, and I get I, I get the the sort of metaphor in, in some of yeah. that, you know, to any any marginalized group. I get that, but it's they kind of just go overboard sometimes and really emphasize mm. that like they're I don't know. It's working for me very well right now. There's a really crazy twist slash update on a character you know that essentially makes that character the most important character in the X Men universe, and it's amazing to see like it's the logic of how this is all fitting together is working really really well for me so grab it um i'm sure it'll be collected numerous times but i'm actually having a lot of fun reading the physical single issues it's been a while since i've had a a book that i'm that committed to um as it comes out awesome um yeah i yeah i'll have to check it out (laughs) check it out listen it's so hard to navigate around the x universe honestly it's it's a little intimidating so it's nice when there's a uh, a clear foothold like Hickman House of X. Here's the best part. So once this limited series is done, he's there's a, a whole new basically X Men one number one comes out I think in late mm. October, and he it's a different artist, but he's basically shepherding in the new run of X Men starting with like you know normal X Men number one, and it's all going to be predicated on the event of the series, which okay. I might start I might I might jump into. Um, you know, we've talked before about I just I usually can't bring myself to get into a um, a long running series like Batman or Superman or something yeah. just because so much and it just especially with Batman some of the reboots and rehashes feel a little a little overdone and just kind of silly. But this, I mean, when was the last time they reset X Men in this way? I I I'm not familiar. Three years ago. <laughs> was it really? I don't know. I don't know how how I was being. Uh, facetious, but um, I when they did the all new, all different Marvel, I, I think X Men. <laughs> oh, you know what I'm missing? The Frank Quietly X Men, I think, was a more a more recent update, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, it's uh, the one that, that um, oh god, it's got that very iconic looking Cy- uh, Cyclops um, design, or actually all yeah. the costumes. It's like the big, 
the big X, yellow X is like a huge part of the costumes. They kind of used it for the Dark Phoenix movie that just came out this summer. So that might be the Ooh. new X-Men. Yeah, that's the, the Frank Quietly run. Grant Morrison, Frank Quietly. Anyway, um, today I have, uh, coming up on panelism in future episodes, I'm going to delve into some books that we've been he- teasing and hinting at for a little while, but they require quite a bit of of time and consideration and thought, and um, I want to give it that due that due time. So bigger, more meaty books are coming. So as kind of a palate cleanser before that, I wanted to just do something more fluffy and fun. And there's a there's a series I have been looking at. It's one of the longest running series on Image right now. You know, Saga and East of West, uh, sort of aside. This is, I mean, you know, Wicked and Divine. This is probably one that's been you know running for as long as Wicked, Wicked and Divine. It's about to conclude, I think, um, and it's Manifest Destiny. And oh, crazy! Yeah, by Chris Dingus, Matthew Roberts, and Owen Gianni, Gianni, Gini, Gini. I, I don't know. You, Apologies to Owen G. I'll just call him Owen G. Um, but it's uh, and published by Image, like I said. But it is it is a series that came out, good Lord, I think in 2014, 2015. So it's been running for quite a while. Um, I'm going to be exclusively looking at volume the Volume 1 trade paperback today, which is uh, subtitled Flora and Fauna. Um, oh, I think we're up to six trade paperbacks. Just to give you an idea, each... Each volume or each you know each trade paperback chapter, if you will, kind of focuses on a different theme. So volume one is flora and fauna. Volume two is amphibia and insecta. Uh, volume three mm. is Cairo. Per- can't pronounce this. Chiropatera and Carniformavis. Uh, volume four is Sasquatch. Pretty self-explanatory. Volume five is um, nemophobia and uh, chronophobia. And then volume six, I just lost it, is Forts and Invisibilia. And so it it's it's just to put it out there, this is like a mo- kind of a monster of the week sort of series. So each volume focuses on a different aspect of that. And in volume one, it is flora and fauna, just like it says. So back of the book, as per tradition, um, in 1804, Captain Meriwether Lewis and Second Lieutenant William Clark set out on an expedition to explore the uncharted American frontier. This is the story of what they discovered lurking in the wilds. So pretty basic. This collects issues one through six and, Oh, it came out in 2014. So this may even have started in 2013, late 2013. Um, Still ongoing though, as a series. And it is, I'm not going to focus too much on the story because it is sort of a monster of the week. Um, The story is, is, a little lighter because it's all about sort of building mood and atmosphere and um you know surprises as you turn the page i have the physical uh, trade paperback i would actually recommend that um the way the panels come together there's there's a lot of different panels and overlapping and um you know split panels like split scenes into two different panels side by side it actually works better in the physical physical artifact than on digital um and then some of the splash pages, as you turn around, you really need to see them, uh, you know, mm. right there, right in front of your face. It just it adds to the the ambience of it, and it's you know it's about the the early settler days of of, of America, of the American frontier. So having something physical kind of you know lends itself to that. You know, you can almost imagine one of them reading this on the on the boat as they're as they're traveling down the Mississippi River. You know, like having this <laughs> having this in their hand or something. Um, you you're saying that as I'm looking at. <laughs> One of the funniest panels uh, that is definitely not not something they would be seeing on the river. 
Yeah. Is it the is it the golden or the the St. Louis Arch? No, it's uh just one of these hideous monsters that has ah. no head and a bunch of yeah. tentacles. But yeah, there's, I mean, there's like I mean, great example. There's a panel I'm looking at right now, a page rather that has an entire cliff face on the left, and then the panel lines stretch out from underneath it to the right to show you know the passage passage of time, but that cliff face stays in right. place. So it's just it just wouldn't work as well, I don't think. This is one of those where guided view just couldn't do anything better. In fact, it would probably make it worse. So and that's well, were not- you oh, aware of this artist at all before you read this? No. I mean, I discovered this uh, if you're a diehard listener and you can go back. Like my 2015 trip to Portland was sort of a, a renaissance in terms of my, my comics reading. And I got a lot of stuff, including jo- uh, Jonathan Hickman's The Nightly News. Um, during that trip. So this was actually one of the books I got as well. Actually, this and Wicked and Divine Volume 1, I got at the same store the same day to give you an idea of, of what mm. was going on. So did not know. It just looked super cool. Um, the actual artist, the penciler and inker, inker is Matthew Roberts. And then the colorist is Owen Gianni, Um or G, Owen G. Chris Dingus is the writer. And so I hope it's Dingus and not Dingus or Dingus. So I'm just going to say Dingus. No, offen- <laughs> no offense to Chris. Um I really wish they had phonetic pronunciations of these names for exactly this purpose. But no, Matthew Roberts, not as familiar with, unfortunately. Um, as a quick search right now, Manifest Destiny looks yeah, to about the I only looked, thing he's on. Exactly. I looked him up, um, and, and it's interesting to me that they call him on the Image website a penciler for Image Comics imprint Skybound Entertainment. Mm-hmm. Um, almost like bumping you off to Skybound to find out what he did. But... Um, yeah, I mean, they, they list a couple of things, but nothing that, that jumps out at me. And the art is fantastic. Like, I would have thought I'd seen this somewhere before. If you're familiar with Battle Pope, I guess that would probably, probably be the only thing. That's a Robert Kirkman uh, title, so maybe that. But otherwise, yeah, this seems to be his his main thing right now. And the panels are so detailed that it's probably the only thing he has time to work on, I would guess. this These are not... Um, you know, some of the panels are a little more digital in that there's, you know, a, f- a very highly detailed character, maybe a solid color or a solid plate behind them, but not a lot. Most of it is heavily detailed, you know, woods and costumes and shadowing and character designs and just a lot of a lot of hair, a lot of, you know, age lines <laughs> and stuff like that. So that yeah. stuff takes time. You know, you the fringes on your on your Davy Crockett hat. All those things. So it's an incredible. Yeah, this is one of those where I didn't know if I'd like the art at first, but it really works for the title. Kind of has a a folk art quality to it, which very appropriate for this time. Um, it's interesting. The reason I, I picked this one too is you and I. Well, at least I think you and I. I have been. Um, one of the podcasts we love listening to is Last Podcast on the Left, and they're doing a deep dive into Mormonism right now over there. And one of the things I'm finding through that series is the early settler sort of frontier time in America was heavy with folk magic and sort of um, crazy. Everybody was looking for some series of beliefs and and trying everything. It was kind of a a crazy, diverse renaissance in terms of... um, uh, spirituality and culture and sort of you know trying different things and folk magic was really heavily Im- imbued into a lot of a lot of you know, especially farming culture at that time so yeah. to take that set and setting and then to to throw in uh, Lewis and Clark and then monsters seems to work really really well actually having learned that about the uh, the American West and and just sort of that time actually makes this book even I think pop even better my first 
first pass through, it, it was fine. But I think ha- having learned that and rereading it, I was sort of like, oh yeah, this actually, this actually works even better for me. Um, yeah. Starts out well, with. Well, I, oh, I, I was going to throw some trivia at you. Uh, adding to that, of course, you know, Meriwether Lewis died outside of Nashville uh, of suicide by two gunshots. Mm-hmm. There's always, a whole... always strange when it takes two gunshots for a suicide, but there's um there's if you're really interested, there are some amazing books on the Lewis and Clark expedition, and it is so it is so mythological in the American lore, uh, you know, just the American story. Like the Lewis and Clark expedition sort of is is one of our myths, and it, it actually happened, but. What's what I didn't realize is that the actual real story is even more fantastical than some of the stuff in in Manifest Destiny. Um, the I, you know what these two guys went through and how, you know, all the stuff that they had to to, to endure. It I'm surprised they haven't tried to make like a Lord of the Rings style epic you know four part movie series or something based on this because it is so. Yeah. It, it, go go follow down the Wikipedia rabbit hole of Lewis and Clark someday. There's several amazing books you can you can read too. Um, but it is it is an incredible like people kind of think oh it's just you know this this expedition and they did what they did and that was great. They it it was harrowing. And then what happened after they returned like all of the what they saw and what they lived through and then how both of those two guys adapted after the fact. You know how Sacagawea yeah. fell into that whole that whole ecosystem. There was kind of a, a, a love triangle between the three of them. It, there's all kinds of details that Manifest Destiny touches on, but largely leaves to, to history books. So what you're going to get with Manifest Destiny is some of that, a, a look at that relationship, but it very, very, very much is a monster of the week kind of kind of story. <laughs> Did you see uh, when it, there was this news, and I, I'm realizing as I Google it that it was actually a couple of years ago, but I think I only heard about it this year, of how they have traced the journey because um, like literally in, in archaeology because of these mercury-filled uh, latrine pits. <laughs> Whoa. Because Lewis and Clark and their whole company were taking these uh, like toxic levels of mercury pills to treat constipation. Um, and but because it was like for what you know for that purpose, they were pooping it all out. So archaeologists can find these deposits of mercury all the way across the U.S. Jeez. It's, it's insane. And I had heard an archaeologist talk about this on a podcast or a, or a historian or something. And then she said, like, it, it should have killed them, like the amount they were taking. But because they were taking it, like, as a whatever, you know, stool softener, they were pooping it all out. And it was like... It's just a crazy story. It just adds to all the craziness of, like, what a great set. I legitimately did not know what Manifest Destiny, the comic book, was about. So this Mm. is making me so excited. Oh, good. Well, and to give you some idea of what you can expect, uh, like I said, it's called, the subtitle of Volume 1 is called Flora and Fauna. But you're going to see centaurs. You're going to see zombie plants. You're going to see, and this is no spoiler because you don't know when it's going to happen, but you're going to see a giant sort of zombie grizzly bear lit a lit a flame running after the guys oh <laughs> like God. there's some incredible visual like some incredible imagery here that really you know if anything shows how wild and dangerous the early american frontier actually was i think we sort of especially because we can kind of drive anywhere and you get you, know, you start driving across kansas or nebraska and you're like man this must have been the easiest thing in the world for the oregon trail to take because just there's nothing really going on you don't you don't suffer any sort of 
uh, danger except for maybe the odd thunderstorm or tornado or you know in the winter time. But it's you, we've sort of desensitized ourselves from the fact that this used to be a crazy very difficult, dangerous place. I mean, the Donner Party, for God's sake, happened. Mm-hmm. That happened in the last 150 years. Yeah, that the was... Mount, Mountain Meadows Massacre, where the uh, the Mormons disguised themselves as a bunch of uh, Native Americans and slaughtered another group of <laughs> white uh, travelers. This, I mean, this happened, this wasn't like a thousand years ago. This is 150 yeah. You know, that's that's three people ago. <laughs> like, right. you think about people living to 100, that's three people ago. Yeah. If that, so... So yeah, this book really does a lot to to showcase that they jump right in. So it's not like it's not like we start the series with them planning the expedition. We we open up with the their ships. Um, it's it's May eighteen oh four, and they're sailing down a river currently, and they're talking, and then they do flashbacks to sort of show you um, different aspects of the Lewis and Clark, uh, you know, when they were serving together, um, different different things like that. So you get a sense as it goes of their relationship. Um, at this juncture, they haven't met Sacagawea. That comes later on. Um, so this is this is early days. And you know, they've got, it's kind of like the Odyssey. I would say the, I would say actually the, oh, the perfect, um, this only just hit me just now, the perfect kind of comparison point is, the, is Homer's The Odyssey. It's these two guys trying to find, not their way home, but trying to find the Pacific Ocean. And, you know, they start off, their crew is, is you know, strong and, and high spirited. And then as it goes, they just keep getting picked off and it gets, it gets more and more just despairing. And they see all these fantastical things and kind of have these metaphorical, um, experiences in the grand scheme of things as they go. God, so that's a great idea to bring to this, that it is the American odyssey. I mean, it kind of is. And I almost now saying that out loud, I kind of want them to collect everything into one giant hardbound, yeah. like, amazing kind of like, tome of a of a thing maybe like you know leather like almost like the like the journal from the time man if if it was a hundred bucks i'd buy it if they did it right it'd be it'd be beautiful to have um but it's getting pretty thick you know they'll probably be up to seven maybe eight trade paperbacks by the time they're done um i'm just looking right now at issue 38 which comes out in november of this year it says it does not say the final one but i'm get i'm guessing they're getting close i have only read up to uh, number three, up to and, th- and through number three. So I haven't gotten to... Like, uh, like volume Sas- three? Yeah, volume three, sorry. I haven't gotten okay. to Sasquatch yet, which is volume four. Um, so yeah, this... Again, I don't want to I don't want to delve too much. The the story is is pretty basic. You know, they're just exploring. They're, you know, things happen, but most of it's predicated on when they run into the different monsters and, and how they escape and how they sort of survive. It is... It's much more like that. These would make... God, this would make a killer series it would be very expensive, but like each episode is almost like a, you know, each movie would be a volume. Um, and yeah, you get to, you get to just kind of, kind of see everything, see how it evolves. Um, just looking through to see if there's anything else I can say without spoiling it. Um, not really. Now, I, 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 I don't want to, I don't want to give anything away. That's, that's going to ruin the, the flow of the surprises. Do you know, um, you said you think it's ending soon. Do, is there an announced last issue? Not yet, no. Okay. I kind of feels like they may be pulling a Walking Dead, just where it just ends one day. They're not like building up. I mean, they they oh, are gotcha. something, and eventually they're going to make it to the Pacific Ocean, and they're going to, you know, and then maybe a little after that. But the story itself is is coming to an end. Um, they meet a lot of crazy characters along the way, though. Obviously, the 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 characters you know from history, Sacagawea, etc. But there's other sort of like you know f- uh, fur trappers and hunters and ranchers and things and um, 
you know, uh, indigenous medicine men and all that kind of stuff. So it all fits together. It all really highlights, you know, early Americana, the occult, um, folk magic. Uh, just it's it kind of it does for the American frontier what, um, you know, Gaiman's American Gods did for um, just kind of American mythology. It's just it's yeah. one of those because we're so new right we're such a new country yeah we don't really have these like myths and legends like you know greece or egypt or even like the the united kingdom have like arthurian legend is is not really a thing we have so we have all this crazy amazing history that is real so it's it's i like to see you know, different creators finally taking that history and putting it in a more of mythological context that that works really well for me yeah for sure i mean everything you touched on it's like we're the I don't know if it's a moment that we're in right now where we're uh, like reinvestigating that stuff. But like, as you mentioned, last podcast series on Joseph Smith and um, I, so much of this feels like current issues. I don't I um, uh, I love this quote and I don't know where it originates. And I only just recently heard it where which is like in um, Americans think 200 years is a long time. And Europeans think 200 miles is a long distance. Like, and this book captures that in such a great way. Like you said, like this happened, like, <laughs> yeah, not so many generations ago, you know, in recorded history times. And uh, I, and then at the same time, they traveled 4,000 miles or something. Yeah, like it's a crazy. It, it you know, it's it's about both of those myths. Like they traveled farther than you know, Europeans are used to conceiving of, and it really wasn't that long enough ago, but in our imagination, it was ancient history, you know, when Lewis and Clark set out. <laughs> I really like that quote. Who, who, who originated I, that quote? That's I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I think it's so great when you think about um, the distance between European countries, you know, and, and how they could all just fit in America, probably in the unpopulated parts of America. But it, it really nails kind of an aspect of how we look at things and how the rest of the oh. world looks at things, where it's like time to us is highly, highly circumstantial to the the birth of our country, where right. you know we have no problem driving 200 miles to go do something, you know, even for a day trip. And the Europeans are like, Wait, yeah. what? You drove a, you drove more than 25 miles to to do something? It just Without a train? What? Yeah. Like it, it just has that. So, I mean, you do that in France, and you're like in Germany or something. Yeah, you know? exactly. like, And then, like, to talk about I me. Mean, our, our, you know, compare us to China. They've been around for two thousand plus years as a country. We can't even conceive of that. Like, America yeah. the drop in the bucket time wise. Yeah, yeah. To China. So that's. I'm gonna keep pondering that. I like that. I did want to mention one other thing, which is, if you're expecting this very layered, nuanced, very deep. Um, you know, sort of deep script. Uh, this is not that book. There's a, there's dialogue. There's quite a bit of dialogue, but this is much more about, you know, we're traveling. Oh my God, a monster run away. Oh no, somebody got captured. Oh no, we get him back. Oh no, something else happened. It's, it's much more kinetic in that way. Um, this is not a, a deep dive character study just yet into the minds of Lewis or Clark or any of their compatriots. Um, that comes down as, as the journey progresses, that happens mm. more and more, but it's much more just a fun, you know, you could, you could read volume one and, you know, an hour or two and be perfectly satisfied. Not that that makes it any, any worse. It's just, it's yeah. a very accessible read. Let's just say for anybody I, who's interested. Exactly. Sometimes we just want the popcorn book to read. Yes. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, a yeah, great that's, Book. One of the thrilling things about comic books. A hundred percent. So that said, we'll probably, this would probably be a shorter episode today just because 
there's really not much more to talk about. Don't worry. I'll have a, a much, much more in-depth um, look at one of my next two books um, coming down the pike. I think, just to give anybody a teaser, I think uh, Material is coming up. I think Inkle is finally coming up. Um, so some of these books, maybe <laughs> Blankets, maybe Blankets, if I can get to oh it. Oh, my gosh. That we, might, we should tag team that one, maybe, because that uh, I've always wanted to read that and have just never made the time. Yeah, it's a thick one, man. That one and then um, the sculptor, which you gave me as a oh, gift. Uh, I've been through, but I need to. Man, Scott McCloud is he, he goes deep. He goes deep. He's uh, yeah. that's a novel if there ever was one. So, yeah, this is um, this is a fun little fun little pick. Uh, Todd, where can folks find the rest of our episodes if people want to do so? All of them are available at panelism.inc and on Instagram at panelism.inc. We are the same thing, and that is I-N-K. Um, and you've been doing some uh, cool stuff on Instagram. We, You always uh, showcase a lot of art from the books we talk about, but um, yeah, you've, uh, you're, you're back on it, I guess. Yeah, totally back on it. Yeah, it's it's summer. Summer got a little little weird in terms of staying on this is, on yeah. topic. What a what a we as a podcast of any very weird summer. Yeah. Um, hey, can I make a shameless plug? Which is if you're interested in the old west and crazy uh, Mormon myths and things like that, I wrote a book about that called So Much for the White Horse, which is available on Amazon for three bucks maybe. And yeah, I. I love reading those out West stories of, of people who believe in, in crazy stuff. <laughs> yeah. It's actually, I'm glad you brought that up. That's actually a, a lovely little, um, uh, thesis that you put together and that's not even, I won't even say shameless plug. That's a great plug. <laughs> uh, thank you. Yeah. I, you know, let's all talk about this stuff. I love it. <laughs> I've been yeah. to Meriwether Lewis's death location in Tennessee. Wait, really? It's- I mean, it's not like hidden. It's like a historical place, but it's not uh, you would. There's no reason to go there. It's like there's a park and there's a cabin that's like he was mysteriously shot twice by himself. (laughs) I wonder if they'll get I mean, surely Manifest Destiny will get into that. I would hope so. Um, I found that place on Atlas Obscura. You know, it was like, what? This is like in Hohenwald. And so just drove down the Natchez Trace. Hey, that's a great. So, like, I never did my. If you like this, then you'll like. And I think it's it's less. Oh yeah. Like, if you like the Odyssey, and if you like Atlas Obscura, boom. Yeah. That's the all last you podcast on the left. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Those three things: LPOTL, Odyssey, Atlas Obscura. Go, go get Manifest Destiny. Awesome. Well, I'm so glad you brought that book because now I've got to go check it out because <laughs> yeah, it ticks all my boxes. Wonderful. So. Wonderful. All well, right hear more from you when you've read it and i guess we'll be back again with another episode hopefully next week absolutely next week we'll see you then